Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, when you have it, just shout, I got it. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Somebody say, touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, that's right, you read that right? That's the word in the Bible, spit, spittle. He spit on his eyes. He put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught, can you see? And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Amen. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Amen. Today I want to preach to you a very simple message from the word of God, but I believe it's going to help some folks in the house today. Help, help me. Amen. I'm going to preach to you today. Touch me again. Touch me again. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful to feel you in this house to feel your presence and your power here among us, Lord, the demonstration of your glory, we're so thankful for it. And God, we know that when your spirit moves, that's when you like your word to go forth. For you said, the spirit moved upon the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light. So Lord, now bring a word that can bring light. Bring a word that can bring growth. Bring a word that can spur life into us. And God, I pray today that we will not just be hearers of this word, but doers of this word also. And we'll be so careful to give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with us for the word today. Thank you for standing with us for so long. Amen. We like to stand around here at Truth Chapel. Amen. You stand in all. Stand in the whole service if you're not careful. And, and then when you sit down, you'll be so tired, you just kind of rest into that seat. And you catch up with me about five, seven minutes after I've been teaching. Oh, he's teaching. He's been sitting here relaxing. And that's fine. We want you to relax in the house of God. We want it to be a great experience for you. But we also want you to feel the power of God and to feel the demonstration of his power. I mean, anytime you're around Jesus, you, wanna, you want something to happen. You know, it would be awful to be in his presence and, and nothing happened. You know, it, 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 would be like, it would be like being around someone uh, awesome or someone famous or someone, and, and you were in the room with them, but you never got a chance to interact with them. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I, I'm going to tell you, there's only a few people that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, fangirl over. Only a few people. Like, like I, I have been around famous people before and either flew with them on a plane or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool just seeing them being like, oh, cool, I, I saw this person. That's great. Um, I, I don't really, I'm not the guy that's going to be like, hey, can I talk, take a picture with you? Can you sign my hat? You know, 
I'm, I'm normally not that guy, but there's a few people. I'm going to step over somebody to see these people. Or I'm going to make it awkward for them because I want to connect with them. I was in the airport a couple years ago, and I saw Marvin Sapp. Now, some of y'all don't know who Marvin Sapp is, but I've been trying to sing like Marvin Sapp my whole life. And uh, Marvin Sapp was uh, one of the members of a group called Commissioned. That's when I first met him. Now, you don't know about Commissioned. I know none of y'all know nothing about Commissioned. But Commissioned is a blessing. It'll be a blessing to your spirit. You You should look them up. Uh, and I saw Marvin Sapp sit in the airport, and I thought to myself, that's Marvin Sapp. I'm about to talk to Marvin Sapp. And so I walked over, and I said, excuse me, sir, are you Marvin Sapp? And he said, uh, yes, I am. And I said, man, I said, I've been trying to sound like you my whole life. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I, I, said, I said, man, I said, I've been following you since you was with commission. And he said, boy, you're not old enough to know nothing about commission. And I said, well, one of the greatest albums ever produced is Carmen and Commission when y'all got together. He said, nobody knows about that album. I said, well, this is one of the greatest albums ever made. That's the, that, that's the album that has glory on it. Yeah, the song Glory. Everybody say glory. Y'all, y'all know about that. I don't want to get started. I'll just be embarrassing y'all. And he started laughing. He said, man, he said, he said it, not a lot of people know about that album. And so we, we talked for a little while. I told him I was a I was a, a pastor here in Atlanta. He, we, we, we shook hands. He took a picture with me. I felt like he's my friend now. Me and, Mar- me and Marvin, we go way back. I just call him Marvin now. You know, used to call him Marvin Sapp. Now I just call him Marvin. Sometimes I call him Marv. He knows what I'm talking about. He knows what I'm talking about. But it would have just been, it would have been awful to have been that close to, you know, one of my childhood idols and not have said anything. And I have at least said, hey, man, I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate, you know, what you do. Like, if I'm ever anywhere close to Michael Jordan, you best believe I'm talking to Michael. I don't care if I make him mad. I don't care if I make his security mad. I'm talking to Michael. Because Michael got me six rings. Uh, Actually, now, see, he got y'all six rings. He got me seven because he just played with the Tar Heels. And he got a ring with the Tar Heels and then, yeah, you see. So I'm a Tar Heel fan. And so I, I follow Jordan from the Tar Heels. So, so if I'm ever in the room somewhere, I, I got to talk to Michael. Even if he don't want to talk to me, I, I'm going to talk to him. Because it would just be awful to be that close to somebody so cool, so awesome, and not have any kind of experience with that. But m- me and you, we do that every week. When, when we come into a place like this. Or wherever it may be. And, and God shows up like he showed up about seven, eight minutes ago. Like just comes in the room. Just, I mean, you feel him. I don't even, I don't care if this is your first time here. You ain't never been to a church before in your life. You don't even, you ain't even heard the word Jesus. You felt something. Just something. Just, just a little something. And that was the presence of an almighty God. And in that moment, it's just. It, it, it's just awful to have missed a moment and not said anything to him. Not, not said, Lord, can you come by and help me? Can you talk to me? Can you fix my life? Can I got some troubles. I got some issues. Can you? Lord, I love you. I praise you. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've been trying to be like you my whole life. When, when Jesus comes to town, 
You take advantage of the moment. That's what they did here in Mark chapter 8. Jesus comes to town, comes to old Bethsaida, which means the house of fish. This is a fishing community. It's a fishing community. These are all people who somehow are connected to the fishing industry. It's not, this ain't Beverly Hills. This isn't, this isn't a, a super nice place. This is a place that probably smells like fish all the time. It's a working man's town. This is where we feed almost this entire area from this place. Bethsaida, the house of fish. And the Bible says that Jesus came. He cometh there. And one of the first things that they do when he comes is they bring him a blind man. Amen. This is so good because uh, we have to understand that this miracle began with an evangelist. This miracle didn't begin with the blind man. It began with they. The nameless, anonymous, they. They brought him a blind man. Thank God for they. Now, you may not have no they's in your life, but I got some they's in my life. Some folks that if they would not have took me to the place I needed to go, I would not be standing before you today. Anybody thankful for some they's that showed up along the way? They's, they that prayed a prayer? They that taught a Bible study? They that taught a Sunday school class? They that held you up when nobody knew they was holding you up? They that walked by you in the, in the hallway of the church and said, Brother, I'm praying for you. They that encouraged you when nobody was encouraging you. They that showed up when nobody else was showing up. Stayed longer than everybody else stayed. Gave more than everybody else gave. We don't know their names today, but they did a work. Somebody say, I'm thankful for the days. We don't, we don't know who they are. God, the Bible gives them no great moment. The Bible just say they brought him one. They, they, they don't get a spotlight. You know, sometimes me and you, we want a spotlight so bad that we, we can't be the days. We struggle to be the days. We want, we want our name on the paper, so we struggle to become the days. But every church needs some days. Amen. Every, every church needs some folks that will show up early and stay late. You see, I, I, I got some days in my life. They, you, you don't know him yet. You, hopefully you'll hear him one day, but his name is Wilbert Blandon. And Wilbert Blandon is an amazing preacher of the gospel, pastors of church, a daughter work church out of my father's church in Antioch. Uh, the church is called Antioch. It's in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And, and, and you don't know Wilbert Blandon. He's a they. But Wilbert Blandon, when I was a teenager, living out there in the world, being a fool, he was the man who would come say, how you doing, Court? And I'd say, I'm doing good. He would say, no, you not. Raise your hands. Just about anywhere, anytime he found me, he would always call to attention that I wasn't doing what I, what he, he knew I was wrong. And Brother Blandon had no problem praying for me in front of anybody, anywhere. And I knew I couldn't slide by they. And I thank God for a man of God who didn't need anybody to call his name. He didn't need a pulpit. He didn't need a stage. 
but he knew a young man that was struggling and he prayed for me even when I didn't know what, what I didn't even want nobody to pray for me. Oh, come on, somebody. There's some folks here in this house. You got some folks that have prayed for you. You don't even know they prayed for you, but their prayer is the reason you're sitting here today. Anybody thankful that they showed up? Anybody thankful that they prayed? Anybody thankful that they said, hey, come here. Let me show you a man named Jesus. I don't even remember who they were, but they brought me to the king. And I believe there's some they's in this room today. There's some people sitting in this room today because you brought them. There's some folks that are here right now because you brought them along the way. Yeah. And so they brought him to Jesus. And when they brought him to Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus took him by the hand and led him away. See, here's the problem with some of uh, the reason that some of us don't become the they's. Is, is we want to always kind of manipulate folks' deliverance process. See, but if I lead someone to Jesus, I got to be willing to let them go with Jesus. Oh, I'm going to help somebody today. If, 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 if I brought you to Jesus, then I need to let Jesus do what Jesus is going to do with you. See, there's some folks, they don't like how I pastor because I let Jesus pastor you. A lot of folks think I should come to the house and make a bunch of rules for them. Y'all can't do this, you can't do that, can't watch this, got to take this down, got to put this over there. That's not how I'm going to pastor. Ever, never, ever. You know why? Because it's my job to get you to Jesus. When Jesus takes you by the hand and walks you away, I'm going to let him walk you away. Oh, I'm going to let him. I'm going to lead you, I'm going to guide you, I'm going to preach to you, I'm going to show you what the word says. But what you do with that word is your business. I wanted to affect you. I wanted to change you. I wanted to bring you out and bring you in. I wanted to lift you up and I wanted to encourage you. But at the end of the day, you, I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make him drink it. That's on you. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm trying to be a they. I don't need no name. I'm good. I'm totally fine with you doing what God wants you to do because if I lead a blind man to Jesus when Jesus takes him by the hand I have to still remember he's still blind and until the Lord does a work in his life he needs to hold on to God by the hand and I need to let them go where they're going to go and do what they're going to do the Bible said Jesus led him out of town because some miracles can't be performed around folk. Oh, hallelujah. I'm getting to my message. I'm not there yet. I'm just walking. Walk with me. Walk with me. Every miracle that God does, sometimes when God does certain miracles. Now, now we can follow Jesus' ministry. We see that Jesus did miracles in all kinds of ways. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But Jesus did miracles in all kinds of places. And there are some miracles that Jesus had to get people away from people in order to do what he really wanted to do in them. Like, like I need to get you over here. Like, there's something I need to do in you, but, but I can't do it in this town. I got to be outside the city limits to do this thing in you. I got to get you away 
from some people. For you to really see like you need to see, there's some relationships you can't be around. Oh, hallelujah. For you to get what you really need to get from me, there's some places you need to leave. Listen, before he ever got his sight, God led him out of town. Sometimes we got to walk with God blindly and say, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me, and I don't know how you're taking me, but I know that wherever you're taking me, something's about to happen at the place. Or too many of us fighting to stay in town. We, we, we fighting because we don't want to leave that. We don't want to leave him. We don't want to leave her. We don't want to leave them. We don't want to leave our comfortable place. We've been blind so long. Just set me down right here and I'll be comfortable. But every once in a while, the blind man has to take God's hand and say, Lord, lead me wherever you lead me. I'm going to help somebody today because if we really want God to touch us, he may need us to be led away to touch us. Everybody's not going to agree with the way you get delivered. Everybody's not going to agree. The Bible tells us about a young lady, a young damsel, who was following Paul and Silas as they went to prayer. And this young damsel would, would call out and she would say, these are the men of God. They show us the way of salvation. And it, this went on day by day. Every, every day that Paul would go pray, this young damsel would follow Paul. And as she was following him, she would just say, these be the men of God. They show us the way of salvation. And finally Paul said, my girl, if you, devil, come out of her. I mean, I mean, look at the Bible. The Bible says that Paul got frustrated and finally just cast the devil out of her. I mean, I don't know how long it took him to realize the devil was in her. And I don't know, long, I don't know how long she did this. But the Bible says day by day. So it was more than once. Finally, Paul had enough of it. He said, I'm done. Listen, get out of her. And the Bible says that immediately the spirit left her. And the next verse says, and those that made money off of her spirit got mad. Everybody ain't going to like it. Everybody ain't going to like your deliverance. Everybody ain't going to like you coming out. Everybody ain't going to like you being free. Some folks like to keep you around. Because when you're blind, they can control your movements. Anybody want to talk back to the preacher on a Sunday morning? When you're blind, they can control you, where you go, how you do. I can control you here, I can control you there. You're blind, you can't, you can't see nothing. And they lead him to Jesus, and Jesus says, I got to lead him away from you. Sometimes we need to get away from the they. Ah. In order to really get what God has for me, I can't be attached to anybody else. I got to let God do what God's going to do in me. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, would you pray over me because I need deliverance? I said, you need deliverance? He said, yeah, I've been to five different deliverance pastors, and uh, I've paid each of them no less than $1,000, and I'm still not delivered. This happened right here at this church. My, my wife was with me. She'll, she'll, she'll tell you I'm telling the truth. He said, he said, I've been, I, so I said, you, you've already paid over $5,000 to be delivered. It hasn't been delivered yet. He said, no, I haven't been delivered. I need you to pray a prayer of deliverance. I said, we need to talk about this. I could tell the man was serious. I said, I said, I said okay, um, we, you know, let's talk. So I finally sat down with him, him 
him and his wife, and, and, and I, I, I made a mistake and brought my wife with me. I apologize about that, Amanda. So we, I, we sit down together, and, and, and we begin to talk, and, and the man said, he said, I need to be, I need to be delivered from, from the spirit of lying. So okay, tell me about it. He said, well, when I go to tell the truth, the devil grabs me. Won't let me tell the truth. I looked over at his wife. She said, mm-hmm. True story. Hashtag true story. He said, I, he said, I want to tell her exactly what happened. I want to tell her exactly what I did. But when I just get right there, he grabs me. Evil spirit. And I, I, just, I just can't say nothing. You don't need, you, 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 there's no spirit that's got you like that, brother. You just need to tell the truth. We left that meeting, him still being undelivered, and me charging him exactly zero and paying for lunch. Listen, you cannot control your own deliverance. When God delivers you, he's going to deliver you how he wants to deliver you. And you're not going to be able to control how I get delivered or why. Or All you need to know is that this man had no control over his deliverance. All he did was follow Jesus. Jesus took him by the hand. He followed Jesus. Mm. Listen, this, this story is about the miraculous, but it's also about walking with Jesus. It's about believing that God can do for you what no one else can do for you, but it's also about putting my hand in his hand, not knowing where he's going, not knowing what he's going to do, just trusting and believing that God is going to bring me out. Just trusting and believing, Lord, I'm following you wherever you'll take me. I trust you. I'm not going to try to stay in my comfortable place. I need to get you away from they, and I need to bring you out to a place where I can spit on you and nobody's going to judge me. Because I guarantee you 100% that nobody was ready for Jesus to spit on this man. It is in the Jewish culture one of the greatest disgraces to be spit on by another human being. Google it. In the Jewish culture, one of the greatest disgraces is to spit on someone, to spit on them. Jesus is about to do what in this culture that he's in is not okay. You don't spit on people. This is one of the biggest disgraces that can happen to you in this culture. It's for someone to spit in your face. And Jesus is about to spit in this man's eye. You see, I've said this before, I'll say it again. This is why I believe God, all through the New Testament, every time he heals someone, there's different ways that he does it. He, he touches some, he, he, he lays hands on some people. And, and for some people, he just speaks a word and they're healed. And then for this guy, he spits on him and he's healed. I believe the reason Jesus did, did that is so me and you wouldn't make a religion out of the process. 
That makes sense to you? Because if every time Jesus healed somebody in the Bible, he spit on them, y'all be lined up, and y'all be making me spit on you, and it just be awkward. And you be saying, oh, no, that's the only way you can be healed. Jesus spit on everybody in the Bible, so the man of God had to spit on me. We would do that. That's because we're silly like that. We're silly. Now, this story doesn't make it exactly plain, but we see this story in other parts of the Bible where he spit in the dirt and, and made some, some, some little clay and put the clay on his eyes. And if he did that for every miracle, we'd have a little, spot, a little bowl of some holy clay or some holy dirt up here, and y'all be lined up waiting for me to spit in the dirt and put it on you. But, but God knew that we were silly, and so he changed it up. Every time he changed it up so we would not make a religion out of the process. He takes him out of town and he spits in his eye. And he says, can you see? I'm, I'm probably not going to preach very much longer than I've already preached. But I want to make a couple points here because I believe it's going to help us. He said, he spit in his eye and he said, can you see? Can you see anything? He asked him if he saw aught. In other words, he asked him, can you see anything? The man describes for Jesus exactly what he can see. He says, I can see, but everything's blurry. You see, me and you have to be honest about what we see. Too many of us have come to church and we got a touch. And that touch wasn't enough. Now I know, I know, I don't want to mess with your theology, and I know how you what you're saying, what you're thinking. Oh no, one touch from Jesus is all it takes. Not in this story. You know, I came and I prayed, and, and that prayer should be enough. Not in this story. I came, Pastor, I felt victory, and I shouted, and so I must be okay. Not in this story. You know, I came to the altar. I felt God touch me. I felt a spirit come on me, and so I just know everything's going to be all right. Not in this story. How many of us are still living with a blurred vision because we won't be honest with God and tell him where we exactly are? He said, can you see anything? Here's the truth. He could see something. All he had to do was say yes. But he didn't say yes because yes would have just been part of the story. Yes, I can see. Yes, I can. But this is how I see. And how I see, how I see is more important than can I see. Can you see today? Yes. But how can you see? Are you free today? Yes, but how are you free? Are you covered by the blood of Jesus today? Yes, but I still got some problems, Jesus. Have you been baptized in his name? Yes, I have, but I still struggle. Have you been touched by the Holy One of Israel? Absolutely, yes, I have, but I need to be honest and let you know that I'm still a little blurry on some things. Ain't nobody want to talk back to me today. You see, I come to preach to some folks that you're not there yet. And I need to let you know it's okay that you're not there yet. 
Oh, hallelujah. I come to preach to some people. God has touched you. He's delivered you. He's brought you out. But you still got a little ways to go. And I need to let you know that that little ways to go does not mean that you're a sinner. And that you're no good. And that God's finished with you. It's just time to be honest with God and say, God, I can, I can see, but everything's a little blurry. I can see, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the, the sight that you've given me. But I'm not satisfied with staying right here. I know that there's another touch. Hallelujah. There's got to be somebody today that says, Lord, I thank you for touching me, but I need you to touch me again. I thank you for putting your hand on me, Lord, but I need you to touch me again. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost, but I need you to touch me again. I'm thankful for my healing that I got last week, but I need you to touch me again. Lord, it's been a while since I've been in the church house, and I need you to touch me again. Lord, I, I see things darkly. I can't see just right. Lord, there's some things in my life that I just can't put into perspective. Would you please touch me again? Hallelujah. Sometimes deliverance comes in stages. Sometimes healing comes in stages. Sometimes really, really, really being delivered comes in stages. And me and you have to be honest with God. God's okay. God has a second touch for you today. He has a third touch and a fourth touch and a fifth touch. Matter of fact, he said, my mercies are made new every morning. I'll touch you every day. Lord, yesterday was good, but today I'm just seeing things a little blurry. Could you touch me again? Lord, everything's been good, but I'm going through a little trial. Could you touch me again? Lord, I've been healthy, but now I'm sick. Could you touch me again? Oh. I come to preach to somebody today, no matter what you're going through, God has another touch for you today. He can touch you again. Just like he touched you back then, he can touch you today. Just like he healed you back then, he can heal you today. Just like he delivered you out of your sin, now he can deliver you from everything else. Listen, I'm preaching to some folks today, I know you're trying. But it's blurry. See, I come today to help you. I come to help you today. Because I know there's some folks in this room, you feel less than because you struggle to walk right. You feel like God is not pleased with me because I'm going through some trials and I'm going through some struggles and there's sickness in my body and there's uh, mental health issues in my mind and there's weakness in my spirit and, and, and I, I have, I'm full of stress and I'm, I'm full of anxiety so, so God must be finished with me. I used to preach, but God must be finished with me. I used to minister, but God must be finished with me. I used to sing in the choir, but God must be finished with me. I used to teach Bible study, but God must be finished with me. I used to have joy, but God must be finished with me. I used to be able to shout in the house of God, but God must be finished with me. It used to be so easy to worship, but now it feels like a task to even lift my hands. So God must be finished with me. I come to tell you, don't believe that lie for one moment. Don't believe that enemy for one moment. Don't believe that devil. I'm, I'm preaching about a God of a second touch. I'm preaching about a God that can touch you again. 
Touch me again, Lord. It's getting clearer now. Touch me again. Touch me now. Touch me tomorrow. Touch me next week. Touch me next year. Keep on touching me, Lord. Somebody just shouted out today, touch me again. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. I'm preaching to some folks. You, you are almost there, but life sets you back. You are, you, you are almost there, but life threw some monkey riches in your life. You, you almost made it, but life tripped you up. And now you feel like God's done. The devil is a liar. He has another touch for you. There's another touch. He ain't going to leave you blurry. He ain't going to leave you blind. You just got to be honest today and say, Lord, I can see, but I see darkly. Lord, I can see, but everything's a little blurry. Lord, I can see. God said, I'll touch you again. I'll touch you again. I'll touch you again. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. He said, Lord, I see men, I see men as trees walking. But when God opened his eyes and restored him, he said, I see every man clearly. Would God help us to see each other clearly? Would God help us to see our relationships clearly? When blindness comes into your life, it's, it's, it's not that I can't see Jesus clearly. It's that I can't see others clearly. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But the enemy attacks us in flesh and blood. He's got us hating each other and despising each other. And he's got us disunified. And he's got us at each other's throats. And we see men blurry like trees walking. But God said, I'll touch you. And when I touch you, you'll see men clearly. You'll see men clearly. God, help us see clearly today. God, help us see clearly today. Not through broken vision, but through healed hearts. Healed eyes. Healed senses. God, I see. I want to see clearly. But the only way I can see clearly is if you touch me. Pastor Chavis, are you saying that God's touch wasn't enough? Absolutely not. If this man lived the rest of his life seeing men just as trees walking, he would have been a lot better off than he was when Jesus found him. If, if, if that was it for him, if the Lord said, I will give you sight. Now the sight's going to be a little bit off. You won't see as good as other people, but you'll see enough to know where you're going. That would have been fine. It would have been enough. And my question for you today is this. 
what have you decided is enough for you? What have you decided is good enough? Because most of us sitting in this room today are living at a level of life that we have decided somewhere along the way this is as good as it's ever going to get. And we live the rest of our lives faking like we can see men clearly. But really, we just see them as trees walking. And you do your best to convince me, and I do my best to convince you that I can see clearly. And we've all made a decision in our lives of how good we want to be, where we want to be delivered at, the level that we want to be free from, and we decide to stay there. But I come today to bring you revelation that there is a clear sight available to you. I come to tell you today, I don't care where you're from, what your background is, who, who your mama was, who your daddy was, your education level, doesn't matter today. Everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, God has a better plan for you than you're walking in right now. There's a better sight. I'm closing. My wife can come. Last year, last year, uh, Isaac, my little boy, he's 10. He's about to be 11. Isaac wanted to play basketball for his school. At the time, we didn't realize that he was in the fifth grade and he, he couldn't pl actually play on the team, but, but he could go to practice and there would be scrimmage games and stuff like that. So we said, okay, Isaac, you, you can play basketball. And uh, we took him, the, the school said, well, in order to be on the team, in order to play, play basketball, you have to get a physical. So we took Isaac to get his physical. Everything checked out good until they set him down and they put that little piece of paper in front of him with the letters on it that's kind of backwards and sideways. And about two rows down, Isaac was done. He was like, I can't, I can't see it. And so the, the lady doing the physical, she said, I think, I think your, your boy needs glasses. Me and Amanda were like, wow, you know, we, that's crazy. So on the way home, we got to talking to Isaac like, hey, hey, bub, can, can you not see? And, and Isaac begins to admit that he hadn't been able to see for a minute. He's like, uh, when the teacher writes the homework on the, on the board, sometimes I, don't, I have to ask her after class because I can't read it from my desk. He's like, and sometimes like, when y'all, like, when we're, like, at the house and we're watching something and y'all say something, like, I'm like, they can, well, I don't see that on the screen or whatever. And Isaac started, starts admitting to us, and, and our hearts are breaking because our child, our son, has been living, and he hasn't been seeing everything that is available for him to see. So, we have Isaac's teacher move him up in the class closer to the board. We start doing something. We, we, we get, on the, get on the phone. We get a, an appointment set up. 
And just a couple months ago, we, we finally took him to the, to the doctor, got, got his eye appointment set up, brought him. You know, me and Amanda, we still were in our minds like, you know, he's just got a little sight problem. We get him in that doctor's office, and the doctor comes in, and he puts that big contraption in front of his face, and he starts moving stuff. And he's like, tell me what you can see the letters. And, he, and he's flipping me. He says, is this better or worse, better or worse? And he's going through his, real fast. I was like, man, this dude's like. And Isaac was like trying to keep up with him, like uh, good, bad, left, right. Uh, and like just maybe, my, my wife could probably tell it better, but I, I'm, it was like maybe a minute in. Not more than a minute. He stops, and he turns around, and he says, your son can't see. He said, his eyesight is really bad. He said, this is more than just a little pair of glasses. My heart, y'all. I was just so, I'm, I'm telling you, I felt like the worst dad in the world. I was like, bruh, my, my son can't see. had not really even his own explanation of his inability to see wasn't good enough for me and Amanda to realize that he really couldn't see like that because he could see enough and he didn't know what good eyesight even looked like because he had never had it he'd never known what it was to really see good and so that day, we, after we got done with the doctor, we brought him into the eye, the, the glasses part of the little place there in Monroe. And we set him down, and, and the doctor was like, you know, it, the glasses are going to be like 250 bucks. But I, if she'd have said 25000 I'd have been like, yo, here's my American Express. Like, like, this kid getting glasses today. I don't care if I got to go murder somebody. This man getting glasses today. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, it just, I'm, I, at this point, I'm like, I don't care how much it costs. I put a, a, we'll go to the bank. I get a loan. I'll put payments on these bad boys. But I'm not leaving here today without my son being able to see. I would have done anything that day. That day, when I realized that my son couldn't see like I could see, there was no way I was leaving that place without doing whatever I could to give him the sight that I knew was available to him. And today, sitting in this room, God knows you can't see. And he'll do anything today. He knows there's no way your vision is right. You, listen, you're so blinded right now, you're doing stuff that ain't even, you, you would never have done what you've done but you're so blinded right now. You have never have lived like you're living, but you're blinded right now. You would never be as unforgiving as you're unforgiving, but you're blinded right now. You can't see good. There's emotions that you have right now you've never had before because you can't see properly. And the God of all creation has the answer. He'll do anything today. He'll do anything today touch you again as me and my wife sat there that day she has the video she'll show you she's videoing Isaac Isaac they finally get them glasses done they've been working on the, in the back Isaac puts those glasses on his face and his eye 
He says, oh, my word. It is possible to feel so much joy and so much sadness at the same time. I was so happy for him and I was so sad. I was happy that he was finally getting to see, but I was sad that he had went so long not seeing. I felt like the best dad and the worst dad in the same moment. He gets up, he starts walking around the room. He's like, this is amazing. Even the colors. He's like, wow. And he's, he says to me, is this how you always see? Yeah, my bad. I could always see like this. I could, I could always see this good, man. This is just normal for me. I'm sorry this has not been normal for you. All that day, Isaac kept calling out things he could see. We said in the restaurant, the, the, one of the basketball games was on, and Isaac's like, ooh, the score is, this is, I can see it. And he was, oh, look, I can see it. Stuff that I had taken for granted. Because he was just now being able to see correctly, just now being able to have clear sight. I can see men clearly. He was pointing out all the things. Some of you remember what that felt like when God first touched you, when God first brought you out, when you were a new convert and you could see, and you, all you did was something, man, look how good God is, look at, look at God, look at, but it's over, over the years, it's got blurry, you need to go back for a readjustment, touch me again, Lord, touch me again. Listen, I'm finished today, but I need the church to know God has a touch for you today. He doesn't want his child walking around blinded by life, blinded by circumstances, blinded by hate, blinded by guilt, blinded by bitterness. He's saying there's, a, there's, there's another level of vision I can give you. You can see clearly. You can walk into the fullness of life. I can show you things you've never seen before. I can blow your mind with how beautiful this life could be. If you could just see, touch us, touch us again, Lord. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Somebody just say, touch me again, Lord. Touch me again, Lord. Come on. Come on, let it pour out of you right now. Touch me again, Lord. Touch me again. This altar is open. I see people already coming. This altar is open because there's some folks that need a fresh touch from the Lord. This altar is open. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.